wearing the navy blue of Victoria. And uses his feet and goes again through mid-wicket. That's an even better shot from the Victorian captain. Swept away very nicely by Nicole Bottom for four. Oh, he's been given! That is 50. The man from Northcote. And welcome to another edition of the Vic State Cricket Podcast. I'm Adam White and we've got two very special guests. It's a real fast bowling flavour today. One of our guests, I'm not sure where it will go. It might go four <laughs> hours, it will be very undisciplined, anything could happen. I'll get to that shortly. But uh, before we get to our two co, well, we've got one co-host and one special guest, we should uh, mention that the, the girls are playing this week. They've got uh, two matches against Tasmania here at the City Power Centre on Tuesday and Thursday. So they're in the middle of a series at the moment. So we'll get more on them next week. And of course, the Victorians, they're heading over to South Australia, the men, uh, to take on South Australia in the first Sheffield Shield game of the season at Karen Rolt Noble. And that's when we introduce Mitch Perry, who will be there as one of the fast bowlers uh, for Victoria. Welcome, Mitch. Thank you. Thanks, Whitey. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's good to be here. Are you ready? Because we've had a couple of white ball games, which feel like two months ago now. I know it was only about 10 days ago, but are we ready for the, the real stuff to start, the, the Masterfield Shield? Yeah, absolutely. I think the boys are all pretty pumped and uh, pretty excited. It only feels like yesterday we were still standing in the field at, um, at the Wacker bowling to the WA boys still. But yeah, I think all the boys are uh, ready to go and ready to get out there and get, get amongst it. So what does a preparation look like? Because we've had a fairly wet winter here and even an early part to the spring here in Melbourne, there was no Premier Cricket played on the weekend. So with a red ball in your hand, what have you been doing? Um, I reckon yeah, there hasn't actually been a lot of preparation. Obviously, we get some sessions indoors um, with the red ball every now and then. But because we had white ball cricket to start, it was mainly white ball focus. But um, the last uh, probably yeah, two weeks, we've been looking towards the red ball. We had a session in the nets with the red ball to get back in it after the one days. And then we were meant to have a couple day practice game, but I think it was meant to be well, it was pretty wet last week, so we just turned that into a um, centre wicket hit out last Friday, which was um, yeah, it was very good. It was pretty competitive, and all the boys wanted it because I think they're all pretty excited to play the longer format. What about yourself? Because it's you're into your third year, pretty much of, of Sheffield Shield cricket. Um, no James Pattinson, um, so the I guess the responsibility even grows more for you this year. You've still got the old man Scott Boland there as well. But how are you approaching this year? Um, yeah, like you said, it's only my third year. I've been in the squad. A long time, I reckon this is my sixth year actually yeah. in the squad. But yeah, the, the last two years been able to play and well, yeah, lucky enough to play with um, alongside a very good um, bowling attack. But yeah, I've I've been seeing this around Sutherland. I got to apparently step up, but I think I think if we just go about our business like we did last year, like we didn't have Pato every game last year, we didn't have um, Scotty every game last year, and I think we did just fine. So um, yeah, I think it's sort of just the same sort of stuff of um, back my game. Um, got Sutho around me so he's played enough cricket now and then yeah when we get Scotty and try and lean on him a lot more and then um whoever's the fourth quick or if we play four quicks um yeah they'll be obviously looking up to us but yeah I'm definitely leaning on Sutho and Scotty still. It's all happened so quickly for you um it wasn't that long ago it was Tremaine, Siddle, Boland, Pattinson etc and now you're one of the, the permanent members of the team at such a young age do you have to pinch yourself as to what you're actually doing at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually funny enough, I had a conversation with Tremaine Coffs when we played um, our pre-season games and I actually said to him, I was like, I'm, I think I'm pretty lucky to be playing because I feel like if he was still in Victoria, I was probably, I'm probably on the outer still. So, yeah, I'm pretty lucky to still be um, well, a permanent player in this in this team. Um, obviously, yeah, I pinch myself most days. To play for Victoria is an absolute privilege and, um, 
yeah, like I yeah, I still count my lucky stars, especially even now. Like we've got plenty of young quicks coming coming through. Like I still have to keep performing. Like I'm not not no um, no spot is secure, I guess. Um, so yeah, if I keep performing, then I can sort of hold my spot. Do you you say so you played sixteen matches? <clears throat> do you feel you are a first class cricketer now? Or is this, you still feel you've got, you got to wait for Chris to read out the team to make sure you're in it? Or do you feel comfortable in the surroundings of, you know, some very serious cricketers that, that play for Victoria? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we've got one sitting um, opposite me. He's a yes. very serious cricketer. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a lot more comfortable. Um, last year, probably before Christmas, I wasn't quite there. And then, obviously, my first year, I was a bit in the deep end a bit, I think. Um, but I still... Like, I don't even know if I'm in the squad for this week. So I still, like, obviously, I don't think that I'm a certainty every game. So, yeah, um, if I get picked, I get picked. Like, I'm not I'm not getting ahead of myself saying, no, oh, I'm playing every game this year. Like, that doesn't happen because we've got plenty of young guys and plenty of quicks um, putting their hand up. So, yeah, like, obviously, I feel sort of comfortable, but obviously everyone's trying to get my spot, so. Now, what's it like to be sitting opposite Merv Hughes? An old man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's obviously great. He's an um, Australian legend, Victorian legend. So you don't get don't get to do that do that very often, do you? No, exactly right. Now, Merv, welcome, Merv Hughes, Victorian legend. Why are you going very well? What he's got you, a good head on his shoulders. Isn't he's he? very impressive. What, uh, what do you he's, like? He's sort of laid back, and there you are putting pressure yeah, on him. Exactly <laughs> right. Just get, get off his back. And, and what a fantastic answer is that you know 16, 16 games in. Um, I don't. I don't think you feel secure until you're just a walk-up start. And like we said, he's he's not a walk-up start. He's got to wait to. A, to I think he a, might a be. Yeah, but but in, in it's a good view to have because yes. if you if you think you're a walk-up start, you tend to take a few shortcuts and you, yeah, your hundred percent goes to maybe ninety-nine because you think you're you're going to get picked. But um, good good attitude, just play it as it comes. And Paul Hibbert with us, always used to say, treat every game like it's last because it could well be. So you don't know what's going to – you don't know what's around the corner. It's been a, a weird couple of years, obviously, with COVID. We've yep. covered a lot of Sheffield Shield games together and we've seen Mitch bowl. So it's hard because we're watching off a television yes. screen. There's these weird situations where we're in a studio somewhere in Brunswick here in Melbourne and, <laughs> and the boys are playing in, in, in New South, South Australia. Australia. Oh, yeah. Australia. But from what you've seen of, of Mitch coming through, what do you like? Um, no, just his attitude, just his approach. Um, no, and it's a big thing, like, as you say, he's, he's behind James Pattinson and Scotty Boland, but probably a real good thing for the young bowlers for Victoria now is having a look where Scotty Boland is because he was behind Peter Siddle and James Pattinson for, for a long time. Yeah. And when he gets picked for Australia at, at what, 30 years of age, people mm. say, where's he been? Well, he's been behind Siddle and it... Wasn't until Peter Siddle moved to Tassie that he really got his opportunity, but you know that he's got talent. And let's face it, the the guys don't get selected in a state squad if they haven't got talent. So uh, they come up through the ranks, a close eye's kept on them, um, and when they're performing in, in club cricket and and progressing, uh, that's that's all all you ask of them. But it, it's it's also good to have that approach that. It's not gifted to you. You've got to earn it. And certainly listening to, to Mitch speak, he's, he's got that attitude. Now, I know you're still very passionate about Victorian cricket, but the, the question I'm asking all our, our legends when we speak to them is what does Victorian cricket mean to you? Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, Victoria cricket for 
probably four or five years. So I was in and out. So I came in at a time where um, Max Walker retired. Um, Ian Cullen um, was was in the squad, and he was in and out with um, with Australian duties. And we had so I, I got in World Series days. So a lot of the players, a few of the players left. So uh, to get into a, uh, an aging squad as a young bloke and have blokes like Alan Hurst, Max Walker, Ian Cullen around, um, it was was fantastic. Just to watch the way that they went about things and just to pick up little tips along the way. And um, Maxie Walker was fantastic for me. He's just very, very um, approachable and, and very open and, and very willing to give young players a, um, a bit of his time. So before you got into the Victorian team, tell us a little bit about your background and when you realised that you are going to be a fast <laughs> bowler, an aggressive fast bowler. Um, were you terrorising kids at a young age or did it come to your later? No, nah, nah, not really because I... Like growing growing up country Victoria, so um, I reckon started playing um, competitive cricket at Violet Town. So only a small town. I had an under sixteen. So you're eleven year old playing the under sixteens. So you bat number eleven field and don't bowl. So that that was it. So you just think, oh, how, how good's cricket? What a fantastic <laughs> game! And then um, sort of come back to Werribee, playing the under fourteens, and went went up to Myrtleford. And I reckon what helps your development is playing senior cricket at a young age. And training with with men, so 14, 15, 16 years old, um, playing playing senior cricket, you you learn to swim very quickly. Um, so that that just obviously helps your development. But um, a, as you work through, and and I don't want to speak for it, but my view is that um, as a kid, you dream to play for Australia. Everyone everyone who follows cricket, you're in the backyard and you don't want to lose a toss because if you lose a toss, you're England in the test match and no one wants to be England, <laughs> let's face it. But uh, as you go up through the grades, so I went from, from Werribee, um, thirds, into the seconds, into the first. And you're not thinking about progressing. All you're thinking about is holding your spot. Then you get down to Footscray, thirds, into the seconds, into the first. You're not thinking about state cricket. All you're doing is thinking about holding your spot at, at Footscray in the ones because we had some... Um, bowlers that were were really good. So a young bowler in, um, you know, if, if the the more experienced bowlers show a bit of form in the seconds, and you're not taking wickets, you're out. And then when you get into the Victorian side, you, well, the squad to start with, and geez, you're hanging with Alan Hurst and Max Walker and Ray Bright and Graham Yallop and Johnny Scholes and those blokes that are, are legend. And a lot of a lot of people don't realise that at at my age, the Sheffield Shield was on the ABC, so you could watch it. Yeah. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, the last session used to come on TV, so you'd be watching it. So we used to take last half hour off school to, <laughs> to go and watch that. And some, some Fridays and Mondays, you just, oh, well, cricket's at the MCG, let's let's go in there. So let's face it, school's not all that important, is it? <laughs> Absolutely. <I agree>. but, <laughs> but, but the big thing is, yeah, I, mate, Victoria, at the time that I got in the Victorian tournament, and I was in and out for the first four years through injury, so obviously the players are a little bit better maintained these days, and and so they should be because of their workload. Um, so I'd like to ask Mitch when he when he started pre-season training because we we used to get the the letter. Uh, have you been invited to uh, to join the state squad? Uh, training starts the second Sunday in August, and you are required to train um, Sundays every Sunday from nine o'clock, and then Wednesday with the squad, and Tuesday Thursday with your club. And, and that was virtually it. So halfway through August, then by the time I finished, it was um, first Sunday in May, and you had to be at a required level of fitness. 
That sounds similar to your situation, doesn't oh, it? Yeah, I was actually going to ask, what was like the so around like with like you said, you trained a few days with Victoria and then rest with club. Like, what? How did you get your gym or your other fitness stuff done? Is that just on your own time? Yeah, just on your own time. So, so basically, if you didn't want to do it, you didn't do it. So I, I was playing, I was sort of crossing over football and cricket for a long time too. So I, I was more doing gym for football. Yeah. Um, so last year at school, um, I'd be up at. I don't know, probably six o'clock to the gym, go to the gym, then go to to school. Yep. And then um, during the, the winter, it was Tuesday, Thursday, footy training and Monday, Wednesday, pre-season training for cricket indoor. <laughs> so you, you'd do that. And then almost game day was a, was your rest day. You just, oh, good <laughs> like, just go out and play a game. It was, yeah. it was fantastic. But, yeah, now obviously things have changed now and, you have a look at the facility now down at the City Power Centre. Like how many lanes they got down there? About ten lanes, ten twelve lanes. Yeah, ten lanes. Pretty lucky now. Yeah, we had we had two lanes at the MCG. Yeah. So a squad of thirty six trained in two lanes. <laughs> it just doesn't add up, does it? So would you come back to a preseason fit? Like no. Because there's a big gap from say maybe yeah. April, late March, yeah. all the way through. So to and, so we had, we virtually had um, starting points and finishing points and. With the Victorian team, with with club cricket, and and more, and to to be honest, with the Australian team. So from the start of October to the end of March, yeah. And if you're carrying a few injuries, you think if I can get to the end of March, that, that's it. I can have a have a bit of a break. So you'd have six weeks off, and six weeks off to a lot of different people meant a lot of different things. But yeah. six weeks off to me meant six weeks off. <laughs> so I, I'd come to the first session. You put on a bit of weight. Yep. And you do a do a time trial, so a fifteen minute time trial. You're a little bit slow, yeah. Well, you need to get your fitness up. Well, that's what pre season's for, isn't it? Like it's no good getting getting there fit and ready to go in May, and then maintaining it for what about eleven months? Oh, so yeah, finish the season. I used to just have six weeks off, and that was it. Can we get moved down to tell <laughs> Yeah, right. mate, I'd, I'd be a good fitness advisor for these folks. <laughs> So you pretty much go 12 months of the year, don't you? Pretty much. Well, once we pretty much walked off after the Shield final, you obviously get, I reckon we had two and a bit week, maybe two to three weeks off, like doing completely nothing. And I reckon our first day back was March 31st. Yeah, right. In the gym, doing your gym testing, running and all that stuff. And then pre-season started the week after. Proper pre-season every day of the week. So when would you bowl your first ball at full speed? Oh, full speed, not for a long time. Um... We start bowling, I reckon, like start of July, middle of July. It depends what you got. There was a few boys going up to Darwin to play, so they start a bit earlier. Guys obviously going to England, come back from England. Um, Baz had just come from a tour, so there's sort of blokes on different programs. But um, there was a few of us started probably middle of July, just bowling technique to a foam roller at the other yeah. end just, um, just to get the body going again. And then I reckon it's a couple of months of that sort of stuff off half a run. And then you got probably... 15 metres of the back net to come off with a sort of a full run and then it's not really until you get outdoors you're coming off full run and have, having an actual proper crack. So, well, The big thing people don't understand too is indoor nets are batsman's domain. Yep. So you get in there, there's not much swing, there's not much movement and when I'm coaching you just say to the bowlers, guys, indoor nets, bowlers, all we got, all you got to do is work on the execution. Okay, so... We start off early just working on your line, off stump, outside, off stump, and when you get that down pat, you just 
um, incorporate your length into that and mm. just fine-tune it from there. But the guys that go in and get very competitive indoors, like you get hit for a couple of drives and you start bouncing blokes, it's just cheating because you're on cement base, so it's yeah. going to bounce. So <laughs> you get this false impression that the ball's going to bounce and then first first game in the net, you get hit for – well, first game in the middle, you get hit for a boundary – and you think, oh, I'm going to throw one halfway down the track. You go, boom. <laughs> <laughs> you get hit further, don't you? So yep. it's, uh, but when you understand that, and the, the coaching setups and the, the people who got involved now are just, just all over it. Mm. Ta- you ta- you've shared this story before about when you were coming through in uh, under 23s, under 19s, yeah. this sort of thing, which is, you're right in Mitch's wheelhouse. Yeah. Here, but explain to you how, that oh. he didn't actually know how old you were. Yeah, so <laughs> Um, so from from Werribee into Footscray and, and had a boom start at Footscray. So I started in the thirds, a few wickets here, into the seconds. Um, started with the premiership in the seconds and then premiership in the first. I just thought, how easy is district cricket? You know? and then, yeah, 30 years later. <laughs> but um, I, I got picked in uh, um, Victorian under-23s. So that was in, I reckon, December. So I'm not sure whether we went to Queensland or, or Tassie. And uh, played that, and then got back at training on the the Wednesday. The under nineteen team had been re- um, announced on the Tuesday, and Clive Fairburn, who was a selector, and anyone who follows Victoria Creek would know yeah. Clive. Um, I just walked over and said, "Clive, I want to have a talk to you about this under 19. So I said, "What do you want to talk about?" I said, "Well, how, how can I get picked in the under twenty threes and not in the under 19s? How old are you? Seventeen. Well, we thought you were older than that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't argue with that, can you? <laughs> so was when when did the moustache oh, formulate? Eighty five. So, so playing football and cricket, uh, I was doing that for a long time, and I was carrying injuries into the cricket season that made it hard. So, in football, you can carry a like left ankle, uh, a weak left ankle, and you strap it up and play footy. When you start to play cricket on it becomes a, a bit of a problem. Um, 1985, uh, decided to have, give football a break to give cricket every opportunity. Um, so I played probably three or four half seasons with Victoria. Had a, at those days, Mitch won't understand this, but an SA scholarship, which was a trade of players. So SA scholarship to four players go to England. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get one of those. And that, that means you're, you're on the radar. So I, I just thought, Time to give football away, give cricket um, the, the full Monty, so give it 100%. So went on a trip um, up the east up the east coast and just got myself fit. And then, because we weren't working, we had no money, no razor blades, mate. So <laughs> uh, just hair and beard. So I come back with the, the full Monty beard and went into the hairdresser to get, get it. And for some reason, she's trying uh, to sort of trim the hair back. Um, trimmed the beard down and she had the moustache, left the moustache there. And I just said, oh, she said, shave that. I said, no, no, leave it. This, I'll have a bit of fun with this for a couple of days. And then it's stupid how sportsmen think and probably young sportsmen don't think like this, but when something works, you don't want to change it. So things things took off and you just think, well, it's sort of shaped like a horseshoe. Might be a bit lucky. And how many times have you shaved it off since 1985? Nah. Not once? Nah. That's there. It's just... It used to be black and bristling, and now it's grey and weathering. <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm lucky to get. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can get. Uh, but with 
I'd love, love to ask me, so with, with your cricket, have a look at the physique. Obviously, you played other sports. Did you did you have a choice with sports or you just... Oh, I played cricket? footy and basketball and obviously cricket yeah. all together. And oh, I'd like to say I had the choice, but um, I played local footy and that sort of stuff. And then I just sort of got down to Richmond and then had a couple of good seasons in Richmond. I was like, oh, a bit like yeah. you, just may as well give cricket a crack. And then, yeah, lucky enough. Yeah, to get a contract at the end of the, at the end of it, so it sort of paid off a, a bit, I think. Yeah. When you make that decision, you can you can play two sports or, or three sports. Um, I, I used to play um, basketball socially, so never never fear anything about that. But football, the old VFA at Werribee, um, so started playing that when I was 17, 18. and then cricket was just rolling in and out of seasons, and something had to give, um, and you just think, well, I've been been given an opportunity to play for Victoria, um, had that SO scholarship, so that means you're on the national selectors' radar, so why don't we give this a, a real crack and, and did that. So tell me about the national selectors' radar. You, you got to play your first test match against India in, in 1985. What are your memories of that first? I know oh. I know, <laughs> the figures didn't look Mate, great. Mate, can can before you go there, <laughs> people often ask about your first test and can you ever forget it? Uh, and there is no way, no, I could ever forget my first test match. One for 123 of 37 <laughs> overs, and it's just the the jump, like it, you, the jump from Werribee seniors to Footscray seconds, seconds to the first, the first into to state cricket, they they just gradually get bigger, and then the the jump from state cricket to international cricket, I wasn't prepared for, so you just see guy. Oh, Mate, and the, the stupid thing about it, at the end of that test match, I sat down and thought to myself, I don't reckon I bowled that badly. And you take 123, you just think, what the hell is going to happen if you bowl badly? But um, yeah, it was just just interesting. And I had a talk to Ian Cullen, and Ian Cullen was a, a pretty good mentor for me. Um, and he just said, mate, the big difference between club cricket, state cricket and international cricket is club cricket, you can bowl a bad ball every over. And get away with it. Um, state cricket, you bowl a bad ball every two or three overs, you get away with it. And at international cricket, you bowl a bad ball, you get hit. And that, that's a big difference. It's just that that margin for error against the better players. And obviously, the higher the standard you play, the better wicket you play, play on. Yeah. So it makes it easier for batsmen. The batsman's game. Absolutely. Do you, <laughs> do you find that, Mitch? That's a good point about you know, going and playing here at the City Power Centre or going and playing on the SCG, it's a bit different to some of the pitches you get to play on when you're playing Premier Cricket that oh. might be a little bit better for the bowlers. Absolutely, yeah. There's Like Merv said, there's no margin for error when you're playing um, state cricket. And then, yeah, if you get down to Premier Cricket, the wickets obviously offer a little bit more the big super seam balls that they give us. Like, <laughs> they nip around for a, bit, a lot longer. So, yeah, you get um, – there's more – like, you get yeah, more chance oh. to get blokes out, so – more grass, more grass on the wicket and not prepared for as long. Yeah. yeah. So a state wicket's prepared for, I reckon, four weeks. Yeah. So you, you come down here for a state game, four weeks out they're starting to prepare it. Come down here for a club game, might be maybe two weeks, week and a half. Yeah. Massive so, difference. So you played your first test match. You, you then didn't play again straight away. Were you thinking, I'm not well, sure I'm getting one, as... One test. Yeah. <laughs> one, one. Were you but thinking the, that? Or? The, the, thing, the thing that I learned, so... There was a, a bit of an upheaval, so that was 1985, so just as we were recovering from World Series cricket, we had that Rebel Tour to South Africa, and that opened 
um, the doors for guys that weren't ready to play. And, and I was one of those guys. Um, so I got over to, to Adelaide. Um, Bob Simpson was appointed coach. That was his first game as coach and selector for Australia. Laurie Sewell was appointed chairman of selectors and Alan Border was appointed captain. So um, new blokes into the role. And those three blokes deserve a lot of credit for where cricket in Australia got to. But the thing that I learned under them, it wasn't the quantity of training, it was the quality. And Simo was big on that. Was that, And I brought that back to Victoria in that you go to Victoria training and you'd bowl for three hours and, and you see, you're getting something out of it. But half the time you're going at 70, 75, 80%. So you're just floating in. And I uh, learned over there that if you train for an hour, hour and a half, but you increase in intensity, you're going to improve. Um, so I brought that back to, to state cricket and... And then you identify where your weakness is. So quite often, if if I wasn't bowling well with the new ball, what I'd do is get to training, do a warm-up, um, sit there and do not much until I bowl my first ball, get a new ball and simulate what you do in the game. And then you'd have a look at the figures and think, well, the last session in the day, I'm, I'm struggling a bit. So you're bowling when you're tired. So I used to get to training, um, run a lap of the lake, come in, so you fatigue yourself before you yep. bowl and then you bowl under those pressures. Yeah. Um, so you know, the, the big thing you've got to learn at, at the higher level you go is how far you can go. So because you're playing four-day cricket, you play one-day cricket, um, so two-day cricket over two weekends at, at club level, it's pretty easy, isn't it? Yeah. You, you, not often you get to bowl back-to-back. -back. When you play state cricket, the first eye-opener is when, when you bowl for a full day and you think, oh, <laughs> They're only four, so we've got to bowl again tomorrow. <laughs> so it's it's a little bit daunting, and and you soon find out the difference between pain and soreness. So you can play with soreness, but you can't play with pain, and they they're the things that you've got to identify with. So when I was when I was playing, physiotherapist was my best friend. <laughs> oh, Absolutely, oh, yeah. they still are. They are, they? They're great. <laughs> we have a good running joke yeah. between a few of the quicks. We um, call each other the towels. Because we're always on the tables. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you, with what Merv's saying, how much of that is resonating with you? I can hear, I can see you sort yeah. of nodding as Merv's talking. Obviously, I mean, it's yeah. a different era, but it's still the same thing. Yeah, you're doing. I'll, I'll, um, we have a, like the same thing. We um, as bowlers, we obviously have a certain amount of balls to bowl at training. So to get something out of it's short, sharp. Like you could only bowl five five overs, and you got to try and get something out of that. But it's probably perfect. It's quality over quantity. I reckon it's great. Um, yeah, Griff, our new bowling coach, is exactly like that. He could be happy. You could bowl two overs and you could tell him, yeah, I'm feeling good. And he'd be like, that'll do you then. And then same with Mick in the past as well. So so where do you get that foundation? Is it in the gym or is it earlier on in the pre-season? Running in it. It's probably, yeah, a lot of running, getting running technique going. Um, yeah, building a foundation in the gym. Um, yeah, I think gym's very, very important for bowlers. Obviously, we run in all day and landing on the crease and then... I think it's probably when you're younger, if you get a few um, technical issues you got to iron out. I think I had a few when I was younger and I had Mickey Lewis iron them out pretty quickly for me, so I'm pretty thankful for that. Um, so now I don't really have to worry about much. It's all, all about just getting myself strong and staying on the park. You had two pretty good blokes, didn't you? So Mickey Lewis, obviously, and, and um, Timmy McCaskill. Yeah, I had Timmy so, when I was through uh, the pathways and then straight in with um, Mickey. And then at back end of last year, I had David Saker, so he's obviously pretty good in our... So we've been pretty lucky yeah. with bowling coaches. So, so Merv, you mentioned Alan Border. 
Now, you and him had a really close relationship. What, why was Alan so good to you or so important to you? Um, I think Mitch will tell you, the, the captain, if, if you don't trust the captain, the captain doesn't trust you, you you're not playing. Um, so Alan Border was a heart and soul man. Um, and the, the thing that I loved about him, that he was a player's man. So he got Captain Grumpy from the media, but the thing about it, he used to go there in those early stages of his captaincy when, when we were a terrible side. We're arguably the worst team playing in the national cricket. Um, and the media used to bag the young players, and we loved him because he used to stand up for us. So he got the Captain Grumpy, but um, as a player, you just always knew that he had your back. And that's, that's what you want from your captain. And Mitch, we're already seeing that with Pete captaining you, and we yep. had Pete in here a couple of weeks ago. He backs you guys in. He particularly backs you in. When you need a wicket, he throws you the ball. Yeah, he, 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 uh, he looks after Do you feel us. that? Do yeah, you feel absolutely. That? Yeah, the top of Mark, he's always backing you in. If, you, if you've got a plan you want to go with, he's, he's like, yeah, 100%, I'm happy with that. He, yeah, I think if we're confident in the plans we want to bowl and how we're going, then I think he just sort of takes the back step and just lets us go about it. You talked about being a heart and soul cricketer, or Alan Border was, but you were as well. Now, I want to know, is that something that's just in you? Can that be coached, that when the backs are against the wall, Alan Border used to throw you the ball? You needed a wicket, Alan yeah, Border used I, I to think throw it, the ball. I think it's just upbringing too, to be honest. So I'd, I had some really good mentors during my life before, even before I got the foot scrape, got into the state side and... Um, to be honest, when, when we got into the state side, the, the captaincy is very important, but the coach. And uh, we had uh, Ian Redpath that came in with a philosophy of, you know, we're not a great side, but he's going to teach us to be competitive. So he got Keith Stackpole, Alan, Alan Conley involved. And those three guys coached us for, for five years. And um, the, the big thing about that was having those past Victorian greats working um, with you was well with me was was fantastic. Um, so just to to get Alan Conley in the nets and just the top of his marks and talking to you. And before that at Footscray, when I got down to Footscray, we had a tough and uncompromising coach, Lindsay James, who was fantastic. Ken Eastwood was in the seconds, former Test player, played one Test for Australia, but a lot of cricket for Victoria, and he was just tough and uncompromising. And the bloke I had as a bowling coach was Ron Gort, former Australian player. So I. I actually came down, it's good when decisions are made for you. So I went down to Geelong um, thinking that I was going to play football rather than cricket as a 17, 18-year-old. Um, first thing I was told I wasn't good enough. So cricket became number one. So you throw your focus into that. And then I came down from Werribee to um, Footscray as a middle-order batsman, part-time bowler. I reckon I bowled three balls in the net. Ron Gaunt just walked over and said, right, mate, you don't bat anymore, you're a bowler. I think, oh, how good is this? I just don't even have to think about life. <laughs> what did he say? Don't know. <laughs> no, but I, I, I suppose I always played up in age groups. So people talk, like I, I see kids under 14, under 16, and you see them bowl and you just think, oh, they're going to be a nightmare. But when you're 14 playing in the 16s or 16s playing senior cricket, you don't feel that you're, you're bowling that fast. Like if you, you go back to your own age group, you, you think you're okay, but all of a sudden you get this rude awakening that, oh, maybe I'm not, not as quick as I used to, I, th- I thought I was. Because I, I remember Hat Shield, we, yeah. down at Werribee, 
I'm just thinking I'm the big quick. I over the bowling. I'm the captain. I bat at number three. I'm, I'm a superstar. <laughs> and we, we trained down at Werribee and John Cooney was uh, the keeper of the ones. And he'd come down and um, sent a wicket. He's keeping. Yeah, yeah. And he's up to, up to the stumps. Just anything. Maybe I'm not that quick. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one. So, yeah, but it's, um, I just feel that as a young person, you've got to push yourself. And don't, don't be comfortable where you are if you can uh, move up a grade. What was it like to play for Australia? You did it for 10 years. Um, you have involved in some famous incidents, which we'll try and get to <laughs> that ran out of time. But I thought we were here to talk about Victoria. Well, we are. <laughs> yeah. but no, but Because you, you don't no. like talking about it. I know that. No, no, but I, 10 years you represented your country. No, nine and a half, but we'll, we'll round it out. Um, yeah, it just mate, every game of cricket that I played is that uh, whether I played for Footscray, whether I played for Victoria, whether I played for Australia, you, you wanted to be there and you wanted to do well. And I, I reckon the, the big thing, it's not that you want to do well for yourself. My, I reckon, I had a, I've had to think about this over the years and probably my biggest motivation when I played cricket was I didn't want to let anyone down. So you, you go out and you just think, right, if... And, and Dad always said to me that... Um, doesn't matter how tired you are, you can't take wickets if you're not bowling. And you think that's that's pretty reasonable, isn't it? So every time you got the ball thrown to you, you just bowl. And if you're bowled, you bowled, you got to have a crack, don't you? Good advice, Mitch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's what we're trying to do now is, is whenever you get the ball, just have a crack. <laughs> <laughs> so the the pressure that comes from playing for Australia is you become well known. You've got the moustache. You're a big Victorian. You're representing not only Australia, but you're representing Bay 13. Um, what was that like to be an icon? So you, you don't see it as a, a, a as the individual. You, you don't really see it as being an icon. You just see it as, mate, it's good to be known. And that's that's why I can't understand when guys go to England and the Barmy Army gets stuck into them. If I was going to England as a young bloke and the Barmy Army were getting into me, you'd think, how good is this? They know who I am. But if they're not chanting about you, like, they don't know who you are. So you can't, you can't be doing that well, can you? Um, so I could never understand uh, Mitch Johnson saying that it was really off-putting because they were chanting about him. Well, they knew him. Which, yeah. Yeah. So I, um, the MCG, we had these debate, always had the debate, argument, conversation with these wankers up in New South Wales <laughs> about, about the best ground that the play on. And they always said SCG. And we always said MCG. And I, hey, SCG, mate, if you're happy playing in front of 40,000 people, play at the SCG. <laughs> if you want to play in front of a big crowd, play at the MCG. So it's obvious, isn't it? But to – and I've said this a million times, but there was only one thing better than playing in the Australian team at the MCG, and that was being a Victorian in the Australian team playing at the MCG. The support that we got there was fantastic. If you ever talked to Sid, you ever talked to Scotty, Scotty Bowler, yeah. mate – Pat Cummins takes a wicket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotty Bowen takes a wicket. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, it was just awesome, wasn't it? So the, the difference is, is amazing. And it, it goes from state to state. You play at Adelaide. And, you know, if, if Steve Waugh hit a four, it'd be great. If Travis Head hits a four, the crowd just a little bit more because it's, it's hometown. But when you got twice as many, three times as many people in the ground and they're cheering for, for you as a Victorian, nothing better. So it wasn't a pressure when you had a you're down at Bay Thirteen, 
you're warming up and the whole crowd behind you is warming up. I'm sure you've seen that on yeah, YouTube. It's actually yeah. still – my mate was – I was watching my mates play an intra-club practice game on the weekend and I was behind and getting stuck and he was starting doing this. It still goes today, the, the uh, movements. But uh, th- that, and then there was – I remember the game against the West Indies late in the day where you really turned it on at the MCG. Did, did you thrive on that? Not so much pressure of expectation, but everyone wanted you to do well. Yeah, I think you've got to eliminate that because if if you're if you're trying to please everyone else, and I, I learned very very early on probably two things: control the controllables, and don't try and keep everyone happy. If you try and keep everyone happy, you move away from what you should be doing, and uh, probably the game plan for for these guys um, in this era, like like I said before, he'll have a talk to the captain if he's got a plan he goes with, or he wants to go with. The captain listens to you. The same in my day, but I dare say the time and effort put into sorting out the opposition players now is a lot more than we ever had. Mm. We used to just talk, okay, what are we going to do to this bloke? Oh, should have linked that sign off stump. Now, that that works to most, most batsmen, doesn't it? So it's, I, I think um, analysing the opposition has come a long way where, where we used to talk about strengths and, strength and weaknesses and, and whatever, but... And I, I sit back and I watch the current crop of players with the Australian team and, and also at state level and just um, blown away by um, their commitment, their execution, how they go about it and knowledge of the game. And that comes from good people around you, obviously. And I'd like to have a talk to you about the planting that goes into, say, you go across to South Australia. Mate, Travis said there'd be a fair bit of time put into him, I would imagine, and where you bowl... Where you don't bowl them. No, with us in England in '93 with Paul Rifle, another great Victorian, um, we got told Robin Smith, all right, really strong short outs. Don't bowl short outside the off stump. Don't even tempt him out there. So in one game we, we've made 500, bowled them out for about 200. We've got a three for nothing in the second innings. Paul Rifle's bowling. I'm standing at mid off. Hey, big fella, what's this? Short outside off stump. Whack. Pistol. Team plan, yeah, but doesn't he hit it well? You just want to see it every now and then. <laughs> and that's when when you're when you're on top, you can do that and have a bit of fun. But um, yeah, it's amazing now, and that's where John Buchanan was a, a fantastic coach in the fact that he was a great analyst. So when he was with Queensland and he had Bickle, Kasperwitz, Dale, and Greg Rowell, virtually he'd just go in and say, right. Bowl here to these players, we're going to take wickets. And they had the discipline to do that. In the Australian side, it worked with most players, unfortunately not with Shane Warne. <laughs> because Shane Warne, towards the end, all he wanted to do was figure out batsmen. He didn't want to get told how to bowl. So he just wanted to figure out batsmen. And that's, that's why they clashed a bit. All right, we haven't got long left. I'm sure you've got a couple of questions, Mitch, you'd like to ask. So one from me, of all the Victorian players you played with, was there one or two that stood out? As the best? It's a big question for you, I know. Oh. Great. Graham Yellop, early early doors. So he was he was in and out with the Australian team, Captain Australia. Um, he, he is just an amazing player. And even now to watch him at coaching clinics, Dean Jones, exceptional player. Um, there's no doubt about that. Pro- probably the two unluckiest players that I played with, um, Mickey Squizzy Taylor and Jamie Siddons. Uh, both should have played Test cricket, but but didn't. Um, and mate, you have you have your workaholics. Um, so Tony Dottomate was, and I 
probably a little bit biased because we, we grew up playing together at Footscray, but to, to see his work ethic and the way that he went about it, um, he was he was a, 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 a constant sort of incentive to me to work harder, that you watch the way that he went about it. And uh, the, the big thing about it, it doesn't matter how good you are as a junior. I reckon quite often as a junior, if you dominate, you don't learn to work hard. So I was... I was never one of the, the better players, but you, you just had a crack. You always had a go, and I think that's that's more important, and that's the message you, you try and get across when I'm coaching the young kids now is that talent can take you so far, hard work's going to take you a little bit further. I've got a couple more, but have you got one, Mitch? Yeah, I've got one. It's not really to do with cricket, but oh, sort of this. Um, who was the best off-field performer in your time? Oh, <laughs> Nerve excluded? No, yeah, it's just Shane Warne. I mean, that's, that's just an obvious question, isn't it? That's an obvious answer. But um, but in in the in the Victorian team early, Colin Miller was out, right? and and especially when he was twelfth man. So we we went on a trip to Adelaide one game, and and Colin was twelfth man, and Dean Jones as captain told Colin Miller he couldn't be back in his room before three a.m. in any night because he's um, he's and Cole thought he was serious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just sat there and scratched it. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah, Warney. Warney and Colin Miller were, were very good. Yeah. Very good. Great great company, great great cricketers. Um, and, um, yeah, after hours was, yeah, good, good viewing. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it like playing with Shane? Because um, you, you got, you sort of, you were towards the end, he was uh, towards the start. Well, like, like I said, connect. That, well, like I said, the, to Warren, he was, any spin bowler is only as good as a fast bowler at the other end. So he was very lucky as a young bloke, wasn't he? He had me at the oh. other end. Didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, but what it was when he came back from the academy, we'd heard so much about him, and he came. I, I, one of his first nights, and I reckon it could have been his first night of Victoria training. Um, there was a few of us. So Tony Dorimade, I reckon it was Mick Dimitina, um, mm. might have been a little bit later for me, but. Um, Jamie Siddons, we're, we're watching this kid, and we say, he, he can bowl, like he doesn't bowl like leg spinner that doesn't bowl many bad balls, like. But you couldn't you couldn't sit there and say oh, he's going to play 140 tests and take 700 wickets. You would have thought, no, oh, he's he's going to be decent, going to be a decent player. You'll play Test cricket for sure, but you you didn't didn't just didn't see what he had. And most players have a purple patch, so. You've seen players, yeah. and you've played a lot of club cricket. You see a bloke have a purple patch, and it might last for four weeks, might last for six weeks. Shane Warne's purple patch lasted for twenty five years. <laughs> like he just, he just got better. He got better. He was just fantastic to have in the team. Just the the positiveness that he brought to to a group, no matter the situation of the game, and even as a young bloke, he just backed himself. You had trick. Did you know? That you're on a hat trick? No. So and now, it was extraordinary. So look, Mitch is sitting there thinking, it's three wickets and three balls. How can you not know? Well, <laughs> like it's, you know how, far, how dumb a fast bowler? Seriously. Right. Well, I mean, the reality is it was Ambrose, Patterson, Greenwich across three different overs across two innings. Across two days. <laughs> like, it was ridiculous. Well, I can sort of see why you didn't really know. Right. So, but but the thing, thing was, normally if you get two wickets and two balls, you know, but... So, second last ball, or last ball on the second last over took a wicket. And then Tim Maybole the other end, he got a wicket. So, I've got 
So the thing's got jambled up there. So we got last three weeks in the West Indies, West Indies innings for virtually nothing. Now I come and bowl, get another week, end of innings, and a day and a half later, um, Jeff Lawson got hit by Kurt Ambrose bouncer. So I was batting number 11 in this game. It's for one good reason. Mike Whitney wasn't playing. But <laughs> um, you, you sort of sit there. So we're um, eight down. And Alan Border says, we'll declare. <laughs> Happy days. <laughs> I love my captain. Um, and you, you go out to bowl. And we had half an hour, so 20 minutes to bowl. So Jeff Lawson got, got hit at, at 5.30, 10-minute change. And we've got 20 minutes to bowl. Um, so you go out. And we were pumped up because Jeff Lawson had been hit. Um, and 50, 60 runs behind, you still think you're in the game. Yep. And you, you go out, Gordon Greenwich, first ball. And over the top. And it was interesting listening to um, commentators. Just I, He must have known he was on a hat-trick. We're, we're just so wrapped to get a player of that calibre out in that situation, um, hit back pretty quickly after Jeff was, was hurt. Now, when Richie Richardson comes into bat, I think I'm on a hat-trick. So I, I'm thinking I, I've looked at the replay a couple of times. I claim play and miss. But I reckon he played about a foot inside one. But I'm still playing. playing. <laughs> and at, at the end of the over, maiden over, go down to fine leg. Steve Waugh comes down after Tony Dottomade's over. Captain Jumper, hey, big fella, I think you got a hat trick. No, no, I don't think so. And he said, no, no, have a think, have a think about it. I said, no. He said, well, listen to this. And he went through it. And I said, I don't think you're right. He said, I'm pretty sure. I said, what makes you so sure? He said, oh, we just heard on the PA system. <laughs> so I had no idea. Unbelievable. Mm. All right, I'm going to get in trouble for asking one more. But this is to both of you. Yep. How do you intimidate? What's your skill in intimidating? As a fast bowler, how do you intimidate batsmen? What's the best way to the go game, about it? The game's changed a bit now. It has changed. That's what uh, I want to ask you because uh, we're working on different generations. So the big thing now is it's most a lot of the bowls aren't vocal. So um, You wouldn't have said anything out on the field. <laughs> no, pretty quiet. <laughs> but the, the thing that people don't understand too, sledging, chirping, whatever you want to call it, for as long as I've been involved in, in the Australian team, it was verbal intimidation. Is that we spoke about strengths and weaknesses of, of opposition players. And if one of their weaknesses was that they could be distracted by verbal, then you went verbally at them. And there's other guys that were off limits that you couldn't go at. Um, so it's no good, for instance, Javid Mandat, getting into Javid Mandat, because he loves the conflict in the game. So he stands up, so he just take the emotion out of the game. Um, no, David Gower, I, I got pinned in, in England for not having a go at, at Gower, Gooch or Gatty. And you just think, well, why would you? Like, they've played against better cricketers than I'll ever dream to be. So why, why would you go verbally at them? And we, we, had a, we had a talk about things that we used to talk, like go after Atherton, go after Hick. And the, these three players were, you know, just let them go. About. But you've got to pick your target. If you pick the wrong target, you're, you're in big trouble. What about you, Mitch? I mean, you're only a young guy coming through. Yeah, so. I was about to say, I was probably, I probably don't have the credentials to be really getting into anyone. So, and especially now that I'm not a watchman, I don't really want to be upset. <laughs> you don't want to be upsetting people, do you? Yeah, and then you're copping it that night. Or, oh. Um, oh, I think for for us, well, I think we're a pretty quiet team in general. Like Scotty, pretty quiet. Sutto's. Oh. I think we just try and show it with how we bowl. Like just bowl aggressively. Like obviously mm. not getting into batters' faces or anything like that. If we can just be an aggressive team, fielding, mm. the way we bowl, like bowling the ball hard at the batter, making the batter play, hit the stickers, that sort of thing, I feel like teams can walk on and be like, well, yeah, 
That, yeah. that felt like there was more pressure out there than there actually might have been. So I think the batters in the slips and that, they have a little bit to say, but mm. I sort of mm. just stand back and just... Physical presence. That's yeah. And, and I, I talk about that as a player that's, that's played. And when I talk about going at batsmen and picking and choosing, that's from a bloke at the end of his career. But early in career, you just, you're finding your way. Mm. So when you start playing state, like play club cricket, you get to a point where you have a bit of a go. And then, mate, you have a go at someone at state cricket and you get hit for three fours in a row, you think, well, that didn't work too well. <laughs> so, so maybe you've got to be a bit. But it's, it's a changing game now. And the thing that, that I like is the, the physical presence and... Um, the pressure that the team puts on the opposition. So when when a team starts to wave, and we, we had two very good wicketkeepers in, Michael DiMartino and, and Darren Berry, um, and wicketkeepers are the yardstick of your team. If they're up and about, they carry the team, and it doesn't matter what the situation of the game is. If your keeper's up and about, they'll drag everyone with them. If the keeper's dragging his ass, everyone's flat as a tack. But um, for us, for a long time, Michael DiMartino, was fantastic, and when Darren Berry came in, he was the same. He's a bit chatty behind the stumps, um, liked a bit of bit of conflict, but but always up and about. And the good wicket keepers are the ones that if there's a bad throw half volley, they just pick it up. They don't carry on. They just yeah. throw it away, and away you go. And mate, if if you've got that behind the stumps and and you've got good leadership, the rest just follows. I think we got to a point where we just try and take the piss out of each other, like. Right. Like, I'm getting into Salah at mid-wicket, he's going me, I'm getting... Like, we're just all just trying to lip each other and the batters are probably thinking, what the hell is going on? <laughs> but, like, yeah, I think Pato was a bit like that. He was a very well, good... Well, Pato was aggressive, wasn't he? Physical presence yeah. as well. Like, the way he bowled, like, after a ball, he's, like, puffing the chip. Like, that yeah. was that's awesome to watch. Mm. So, But he also had... When you played with him, you also had 10 years under his belt too. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be you in 10 years. <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're a very... Well, you hope. Yeah. yeah. I think it's more, yeah, if we can just... Be no. aggressive with yes. our fielding and bowling. I think that's why, yeah, we go really well. There's different forms of aggressiveness, isn't there? Yeah. As a cricketer, you but the other the other thing you you learn too is that it's no good barking if you can't bite. <laughs> so if you have the junkyard dog that, that barks and you dump the fence and he rips your leg off, that's a good dog to have. <laughs> if you want the chihuahua in the front front yard that yaps yaps away and as soon as you dump the fence, they take off. <laughs> you just there's no uh, no credit to is it. You got one last question for me? No, you got it pretty much covered. You yeah, got a question for Mitch, or are we, we we done? Do you reckon? Um, no, the question I'd love to ask of Mitch is, um, with with the time now that you guys put in, is it still enjoyable, or does it become taxing with with the meetings, with the time, with the training, with with everything thrown in? I reckon you're asking the wrong wrong person. I still absolutely love it. Like I yeah. love all the meetings, learning about different players, opposition. Um, all the trainings, I think it's all still very new to me. I think if you ask a few of the older boys, it might be a little bit different. But I think for us young guys, I think we just absorb, if we can absorb as much as we can, like we spoke about earlier, all the oh. analysis stuff, like that's awesome. Um, we got, like there's literally pages of opposition that we like look at, vision, all that sort of stuff. So I think if we just keep absorbing that stuff, we're going to get better. But yeah, to answer your question, I absolutely love it. So I can't, I don't reckon I'll ever get over it. That's that's it. That's what I was looking for. Very good, Merv. Thank you for coming in. <laughs> no really worries appreciate at all. It. We had so much more we could have asked you, but um, really appreciate sharing some of your experiences of, as a Victorian player, as a, an Australian player, and as an icon of Australian sport. Thank you for Thank coming. You, in. Thanks, Thank you. And Mitch, good, good luck, luck uh, this Thank week you. against Thank South you. Australia. Uh, we'll all be watching. 
the and, season and the rest, for the yeah, rest of your career, mate. Thank Absolutely. You. Should be good. I'm yeah. sure we'll have you along uh, throughout the course of the year on the podcast. Absolutely. Mitch Perry and also Murphy. As that wraps up the Vic State podcast for this week, the Vic State Cricket podcast, of course. Uh, we'll catch you again next week.